Welcome to Trusted Journalism Matters, our monthly series inviting one of the World Media Group's members to talk about the importance of trusted journalism and the role they play in helping audiences to make sense of the world around us. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Brian Wally. He's the Digital Editorial Director of the Smithsonian Magazine. Um, welcome, Brian. Hello, nice to be here. Um, for the benefit of um, those uh, in Europe and Middle East Asia who, who aren't necessarily that familiar with the Smithsonian Magazine, would you mind just giving us a flavour of what, what the magazine is about and its, and its ethos and, and remit? I think that would be really helpful. Sure. So we are a part of the Smithsonian Institution, which is the world's largest research complex. It composes 21 museums and four research centers. Um, and the Smithsonian is based here in Washington, D.C., uh, but really has a global reach and a global focus. We have research centers in uh, Panama. Um, we have a folk life center uh, that covers much of the world in which we focus on. But on the magazine side, what we do is we take inspiration from those uh, museums and research centers. and in many ways, that sort of allows us to cover almost everything, uh, except maybe partisan politics, which is great uh, because that involves a lot of angst and um, bias and, and people to, uh, to cause it to, to, to doubt everything you're doing. And celebrity news, which is also great because we sort of like to deal with weightier matters. Um, and so we take inspiration from what those museums do. We often talk about if the museums had endless space. What would they have in it? What would they cover? And so we uh, we have multiple history museums. So history is a major area and science. We have our National Museum of Natural History. And so we cover science, but we are journalistically independent. Uh, we don't, only about 5% of what we cover is about what's going on at the Smithsonian itself. Instead, we like to say we put a Smithsonian lens on the world. So our main areas of focus are research, are, uh, history and science. And we also cover innovation. We cover travel. Uh, we cover arts. And though it's our, in those latter two sections in travel and arts, there's a lot of the ways in which we have a more global focus, looking about how um, other museums, but how other artists uh, are engaging with the world and how people who are interested in traveling the world, what are the, uh, what's the history they can learn when they travel there? What's the local culture they can learn when they go there? Who are the artists? What's the art that they can see when they travel internationally? And also, what are sometimes, what are the natural wonders they could see? We we have a beautiful national park system in the U.S., but there are natural wonders all across the world. And our readers are really interested in that. Interesting. So if we take one step backwards, sure. I'd be really interested to know what you as an individual, what, what drew you um, into journalism and to the, the Smithsonian? When um, I grew up in uh, in the suburbs of Washington, and so I grew up going to the Smithsonian Museum, and so I always had an affinity. My mother was a docent at the National Air and Space Museum for a number of years, so I grew up going to that museum and just wandering the halls myself. So I always I'm had sorry. an affinity. What's sure. a docent? I'm just showing my ignorance here. Sure. Uh, oh, sure. A docent is a tour guide, oh, a okay. volunteer tour guide. Yeah. Um, 
And so I grew up, you know, wandering the halls of those muse- of the museum myself. And so I always had an, an affinity for museums. And I grew up reading the Washington Post every morning. So I grew up loving journalism. And so when I got out of school, um, I first worked at the news at PBS NewsHour, uh, which is the public broadcasting news service. Um, and there, the um, the head anchor, he often said that it's better to uh, shed light than heat. Uh, which means that to put a uh, to give information, but to not to get people angry. Uh, oh, I like which, that. Yes, yes. Shed light, not heat. Is, is sort of I sort of took that on as a way to sort of it's a it's an ethical way to go about journalism to say you know are we shedding something new on here, um, and if not, try and find something new to say. Uh, but don't do it in a way in which you're going to get uh, people's emotions all head up. Uh, such that they, you know, so much of the discourse now on the internet and on the news is is driven by anger and driven by fear. And instead, um, let's think of using our journalistic powers for good and shedding light instead. And so um, that was my first time, first few years there in, in the field of journalism. And then I was lucky enough to get a job here at Smithsonian, where we really do marry uh, those worlds of the museum being a public trust, a place that people still today is one of the few areas where um, few public institutions that people still hold the high esteem. Um, and combining that with my journalism background, um, being really interested in exploring the world uh, through what we call that sort of the Smithsonian lens, that lens of authority, that lens of trust, uh, and that lens of being um, nonpartisan. It's interesting, of the editors I've spoken to so far during the course of this series, not one of them did journalism at university. That's just an observation. Um, so maybe, maybe uh, yes. There are- I, I, now, where I went to university was, did not have um, a formal journalism program of, of learning, but I worked on the student paper. And loved it. Um, and that's sort of how I got the bug. Uh, but that was my sort of my extracurricular. But um, and it really did put me on the path that I'm on now. So you're currently the digital editorial director. What does that entail? What does that mean for, for somebody who's a it never worked in journalism. What 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 kind of role is that? Sure. Uh, so I work with a team with our team of digital editors and overseeing what we put on the website every day. We're publishing anywhere from six to ten new stories a day, about fifty stories a week, and that's uh, we grew for fifty. The magazine itself is fifty-two years old now, uh, and for the first. 35 years or so, it was a print-only publication. And then we began to really expand our web presence in, in a, a 2006, 2007. I came on in 2008. Um, and it is a legacy publication in many ways, but we've grown so much on the site uh, in the time that I've been here. Um, and we publish kind of a print magazine's worth of content uh, a week. And so it's a lot to get through, uh, but I have a really talented group of, of editors 
And what we do, you know, day in, day out, we're sort of looking at what's going on in the world and the areas that we cover. Archaeology is a big area. Scientific research is another innovation, uh, yet another. Uh, and we try and distill that down to our readers. Uh, our readers are people who love to learn. Uh, they're, um, they're the kind of people who want something new to, to share at the family dinner table or at the happy hour. Say, hey, did you know this kind of thing? One of my favorite facts that I just learned or just kind of was put in the proper context is that Cleopatra is closer in time to us now than she is to when the pyramids were built, which is just sort of a mind-blowing fact. Uh, The pyramids were already 2,500 years old when she reigned over ancient Egypt. Um. So those kind of things are the kind of facts we love to tell every day. And so we have our editorial meeting every day. We talk about what we're going to do that day. Um, We also do some longer form storytelling. Um, And that's kind of what the day in, day out is. And we also work with our colleagues at the institution to hear what they're interested in. How can we um, sort of amplify the kind of messages that they're talking about? But in a way, we do it from a journalism lens. And we do... uh, we interview our curators and we talk with them and think about what how what is their expertise that um, also would be helpful to share with the world. And you, you talked about the um, your consumers that they're in, inquisitive in nature, um, but uh, how how is that spread? You know, where, where what's the spread of your audience around the world? And are, are there any differences? Well, about 83% uh, of our audience is domestic uh, in the U.S. Uh, 17% is global. Um, and I think what they share in common is an interest in the world around them, is being these lifelong learners, uh, people who are curious about the world around them. One of the other sort of sayings we've tossed around about the site is that um, make yourself more interesting. Is kind of by, by reading the site, you will make yourself more interesting. You'll have more anecdotes. You'll just be a more learned person about the world. Interesting. Um, so you, you we talked about kind of international, but and and a lot of the museums are based in the US. But you your coverage, you know, you you do seem to have quite a strong international perspective in in the way you write and also the the stories that you cover. Is that important to you? Um, it is in many ways, even though we are, uh, the Smithsonian itself is sort of the, the national museum. Um, we want to, the world is becoming so much more connected and so much more uh, of a global community um, that we do find that really important in terms of what we cover and how we cover. People are interested in not just what's happening in the U.S., but really what are the, uh, I mean, climate change is a major area of focus for our science desk. And it can't just be what what is the U.S. doing? I mean, we're all dealing with the struggle of uh, how to adapt to, to climate change. A new, big new initiative for us is uh, sustainability and covering life on a sustainable planet. And it's thinking through what are the lessons we can learn and what are the ways in which cities are being built, which uh, energy is being created, uh, which where 
finding ways to adapt to uh, the changing climate. That is a global problem, and we can't just handle it by looking at what's happening um, so it's you know, between, kind of the, between the, the Atlantic and the Pacific. Right. It's, it's a, a big scale issues. Um, and while we do, you know, we do a, a fair share of, of U.S.-based coverage internationally, um, you know, science is a global thing. We have Smithsonian scientists all around the world uh, doing research. Um, and there is the Center for Folklife and Cultural Heritage that the Smithsonian has. We use that as sort of our excuse to sort of really talk about global food, um, world culture, um, world art uh, in a ways that I think many other publications don't necessarily have that, um, that buy-in. So my next question was about innovation and, and stories that you, you're most proud of, but I realized with editors, you, you rarely actually write your own stories anymore. So w- would you say the sustainability um, that folks you were just talking about, is, is that an innovation that you're particularly proud to be involved with or is there something else you would put up there? I think uh, that is one of them. That is an area where we're really focusing, uh, especially a lot of our, it's not just an innovation in terms of something new we're doing on the site. It's an area on which there is so much innovation around the world uh, in terms of new devices, new techniques, uh, new breakthroughs in uh, alternative energy solutions. Um, And it's actually a more positive story too. Then there's so much that is can get you down. I can get you really depressed about the state of the climate. Um, but where there is good solutions, journalism, where there where there is optimism, is this area of innovation. And so that's an area too. I also think that we have been um, focused in many ways on on race in America, uh, on the history side of things, and it's been a topic of great debate in the United States about how we talk about our past. And one thing that I like to say about Smithsonian Magazine is um, we are nonpartisan, but we do, it's impossible to not be political nowadays, but because everything is political, like even climate change in the United States can be very political, but we talk about it based on the facts, based on uh, what the scientific consensus is and what, um, is known as things that can be done. Um, and so we, in the same way about history, we don't shy away from our, from, from the facts of what American history and what has been, um, been a, a long standing multiple, multiple centuries of, um, discrimination against, uh, disadvantaged communities in the United States. And so we talk about that in ways. And so I'm really proud of sort of the way in which we have talked about it and which the ways in which the Smithsonian Institution at large has talked about it as well. Um, We haven't talked much about trust in journalism and I'd be interested to know um, what that means to you and also how you see it developing in the future. Is it going to become more or, or less important obviously you know you you can't turn something on at the moment without somebody talking about chat gpt um yes what what is your vision of trusted journalism in the future 
it's a hard question. Um, I think that there will continue to be um, a lot of emphasis on sort of showing your work. It's something I often talk about, especially with younger journalists who are coming through um, a publication, is that in many ways, journalism should be like a, a math problem where you have to show your work. Uh, and that involves linking, involves annotating, involves saying like, oh, here's where did I, where did I find this information? Um, and sourcing things. Um, and that also comes to a little bit at the heart of sort of Smithsonian as an academic research institution. Now, we are not an academic press whatsoever. We're not an academic publication. But we take that inspiration of being um, based in research, based in understanding um, sort of the proper way to be a media consumer. Um, and so that's one thing that ChatGPT doesn't have. It just gives you five paragraphs that without any sense of where they got that information from. Um, and what sites like ours, what magazines like ours do um, is we, 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 we talk about where we get our, our information from. And we have a long history of trusted journalism. So I think it's going to be a while, I think, before ChatGPT and, and its um, descendants are really able to give things that people trust. Um, at least I hope so. You know, if not, then we're all in trouble. But, um, but that's where I think we are. And I think for brands like Smithsonian, uh, Smithsonian Magazine, um, we have the benefit of people having decades of knowing who we are um, and being able to rely on on people like us to tell them, uh, to, to trust in us and to, for us to tell them the facts, to give them analysis based on those facts. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for your time today. Um, I would really recommend to anybody listening to... to um, go to the Smithsonian Magazine website and all sorts of really interesting and you can wow um, a, a dinner party soon with Cleopatra or, or not as the case maybe. Hopefully um, get to meet you again soon. Thank you very that much. That would be great. Thank you. <laughs>